Hi, and thanks for downloading that B Word podcast. This is your beautiful bipolar host, Becky. I think we're finally coming to the end of this tree falling on our car's debacle. It's been quite a road, but I think that we're kind of coming to an end of it here. My husband and I decided to not worry about whose tree it is because that that's just another level of stress that I don't need. You know, worked with the insurance company to get enough money for us to fix our fence and to put a down payment on a car. So I think that we're just going to be grateful for what we got and try and move forward. That's pretty much been my entire week is <laughs> dealing with that kind of stuff. It doesn't leave a lot of room for much else, but hey, I'm still here. So I'm going to forego the normal news articles this week because I have an interview with Mr. Bipolar Joe of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. And we talked for a really long time, and I think that if I add some news stories into it, it's going to become obscenely long. <laughs> So I am going to go ahead and just jump right in. Hello. Hi, Joe. Hey, how hey, are you? How I'm you good. Doing, I'm all right. How are you doing? Are you doing all right over there, by the way, with your, I know you had a tree come down on your car. Did you ever figure that out? Oh, the tree. So I I could not figure out what order things needed to be done in because at first I... So the tree came down, and then it came down with some, some telephone lines. So I called the phone company, and they came out, but they didn't want to do anything until we got the tree moved. But I didn't want to move the tree until the insurance people saw it. <laughs> but then I had to get yeah, the car towed yeah. out of there, and I had to get the tree moved to tow the car. And so the homeowner's insurance people were going slow, but the auto insurance people wanted me to go faster. <laughs> A nightmare. It is. Yeah, we don't. You know, I don't know about you, but I don't deal with things like that very well. So you know, I mean, I'm getting better at dealing with them. But you know, thinking back when I dealt with that at the time, I mean, I was barely. I don't even know if I was medicated. I believe I was. I don't remember. I would know the year wise if I was or if I wasn't, but I don't remember the hurricane was. So I can't even. I can't. It's so sad. My my memory is gone, Becky. I can't even. I just told my wife about this. I don't know if it's the medication. I don't know if it's, you know, because I'm getting older, I'm going to be 43. I don't know if it's what happens with bipolar disorder as you get older, uh, but I just know that my memory is shot. And it's scary because there are things that I'm, you know, arguing with my wife about where she's insisting that, and she's trying to be so kind and so nice about things, you know, you know, hey, you gave this, or you didn't give this to me, and and I argue with her, and I said, what are you talking about? I did so, and I really didn't, and I just don't remember. I actually cannot recall whether I've done things or not. Mm-hmm. It just transpired, you know, hours or a day ago, and it's, it's just really sick. So, anyway. Yeah, I think I'm that's I'm sure you common. want to get started. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> well, shoot, we could use a lot of this anyway. Um, but, yeah, What's I think that, that, that I said we could probably use a lot of that. Yeah, seriously, right? Well, listen, you chop it up and do whatever you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks. So Are I we on? Are we already? Is this part of the interview? I'm not even sure. <laughs> well, I'm recording, but oh, I'm going to okay. chop sure. it all up okay. and put it back together again, Frankenstein it, all that stuff. Because right. that's yeah. how I do. I cannot do raw audio. Okay. <laughs> I have to. Uh, no, 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 no. I, I, I don't blame you. It's not an easy thing. Many, yeah. many, many moons ago, I was on a radio station and then um when i went to college it's not an easy thing i gotta tell you when you're live like that it's yeah. actually quite concerned yeah it's not easy at all so thank goodness for electronics and that you could chop this up and yeah if i sound like a moron at certain points please promise me you'll get that out as well okay so, i will i promise okay all right good <laughs> so what I else didn't... is up you got any questions for me well i didn't really have a plan um because uh, it's just me so, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I figured that we don't need we don't need a plan, really. No, I mean this is working no. out perfectly already, so it's yeah. fine. We'll just talk. Look, 
Can I say one thing to you that I, I've been I've been wanting to say in person, and I'm glad that I have this opportunity to now um, sure. that I have you live and in person. <laughs> um, I don't know if you realize this, Becky, but and I know this this you know, and I appreciate you calling me and making this to some extent about me and you know asking me to be on your podcast. I'm really appreciative of that, but I don't know if you recognize that you yourself. Uh, you're, you're actually saving lives. I'm not sure if you realize that because you have this person on the other end whose life you're actually saving. And, and it's, it's in a very, you know, a very unique manner. And I say that only because I have a way that um, every night that I have to go to sleep, I, I, I can't. I have a very difficult time shutting my brain off. Um, and I don't know whether it's an obsessive compulsive type of thing that it's turned into. Unfortunately, a lot of my actions and a lot of my thoughts usually turn into, I guess, OCD-like. Um, and one of the things that I've had to do to almost train myself to go to sleep at night is listen to something, actually with headphones in, um, so I don't annoy my wife and I don't wake anybody up in the house. I don't like to play things anymore on my phone mm -hmm. out loud. So I put a pair of headphones in and... I just listened to things, and, and there was a, a long time where it really wasn't putting me to sleep, which is listening, listening, before you knew what I was staring at a clock and, you know, wondering about counting the hours down as to when I was going to fall asleep and right. saying to myself, oh, boy, I only have two hours left. I, I'm going to be dead tomorrow. Forget about it. But at some point, it started to work. And then I started to run out of things because i got to tell you, one of the most fascinating people that I ever listened to on a podcast was is bipolar Bob. And oh yeah, that oh that and he man has so much has, to listen to. Oh, like you know, Becky. When I first one of the first things that drew me to him, believe it or not, is my profession. I you know for twenty seven years I've been with the autistic community, mm -hmm. uh, ch children and adults with autism. That's not even politically correct to say autistic anymore. Believe it or not, we say children and adults or individuals with autism. So when I put on his first episode and I heard not only about bipolar disorder but about autism, mm -hmm. I just couldn't believe my ears. And before I knew it, I was binge listening to Bipolar Bob, and I started listening and, and you know, great, great thing that I felt I would fall asleep and whatever episode I would fall asleep to, I, I would wake up and I'd drive into work and I'd finish listening. And, you know, I binge through that pretty quickly. And I guess my point is, Becky, is so I don't go off on a complete tangent here. <laughs> you have actually saved my life because you have picked up where the bipolar bomb has left off. And oh, wow. Every yeah, you have, and and that's the God's honest truth. And I say that with all with all the, all the, the seriousness in the world, because, and I've said this to you on Twitter, and we've you know briefly had some interactions, and I've said that you almost have this magical, amazing voice that I've actually never heard in my life. It's an, it's it's amazing. I've never heard it in my life. I've never heard a tone. I've never heard a sound like it. So that in a, in itself is mesmerizing. But then with the amount of information that you bring forward and the fact that you feed my OCD <laughs> because I need <laughs> to listen to something at night, but in conjunction with the fact that you are so entertaining slash informative and you've taken a style on that I really don't think I've ever heard before, you know, and I'm, I'm gracious to be a part of it well, as you have you. me now on one of your interviews. I mean, really, I mean, you know, it's something that I never expected. I just, you know, I sit on my podcast and I just rattle off a bunch of, um, you know, sometimes it's nonsense. Sometimes it's, you know, just information about myself and my life. And well, I but, think know, that's really helpful about, though. Yeah, yeah, I hope, I hope it is. That's my, you know, Becky, that's my, when, when I say, when you say helpful, I, I, there's two things I want to do with my podcast, and that is help. Help me and help other people. And mm -hmm. I hope that doesn't sound selfish because for once in my life, I actually want to help myself um, <laughs> with, with, talk, with talk therapy, if that makes any sense. And I have seen every therapist under the sun. I mean, I've, been, I've done it for years, and I'm actually not even seeing a um, psychologist right now. I'm not seeing a therapist. And uh, it's probably not a good thing. And I've taken to this podcasting as a means of speaking out. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I have this 
I, it's, it's very sad because a lot of times when I do the podcast, I'll actually hallucinate and think of, that I'm talking to several people. Um, I imagine them in my head. And, you know, it, it allows me to get into my podcast as if I'm sitting in front of a live audience. And I know it might sound a little strange, but it's one of the ways that my brain works. And when I am able to do that and connect with my so-called audience, and I got quite a lot of downloads. I go on, I look at my statistics, and people are certainly listening, and they're on Twitter, and they're, they're retweeting and commenting, and I really, it's amazing. I appreciate it because the community on Twitter Mm. It has been my, my support. It really has in yeah. conjunction with this podcast that I'm doing. So I'm helping me and I'm helping others. I hope that they could just learn anything. If they could put on one episode and say, you know what? I did that. I tried that. I experienced that. And oh my goodness, if I end up like that, man, it's not going to be a good thing. So, oh, you know, I, I, and that's what I, but my hope is that I can, you know, just teach somebody something. And, um, my original plan, believe it or not, in the very first episode that I ever recorded, I had mentioned it last night on one of my most recent episodes, which was Marijuana 101. Mm-hmm. I was high the kite when I first did my marijuana, my very first episode. High oh, really? the kite. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And I've been clean for marijuana since January 1st. I was a smoker um, since the age of 16, trying to manage my mental health mm-hmm. through smoking marijuana, which ultimately did not work. No, um, there was a long time where I thought it was work. What's that, Becky? Yeah, unfortunately, no, it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't work anymore. <laughs> there was a long, you know, Becky. I don't even know if there was a time when it did work. I believe there was a brief period in time where it did calm me, mm-hmm. um, and it made me somewhat more enjoyable to be around or tolerable. Let's put it that way: tolerable. I know that. It got to a point where I couldn't socialize out in functions any longer without, you know, smoking beforehand. There was a brief period in time, believe it or not, that I actually used to go to work, uh, you know, high as a kite because I couldn't, I couldn't stabilize. There was a very brief period in time, I think for about eight or nine months of my life, where I suffered from what I call depersonalization disorder and. It was a very strange situation. It was, I used to float up out of my body and watch myself. It was almost like I was watching a movie. And um, it was one of the scariest things that I probably ever experienced. And it went on for about eight or nine months. And doctors tried all different kinds of meds and tried to stop it. And what I used to do, because none of the meds that they were giving me was working, was I just used to smoke marijuana. And at that period of time, it actually did help. It helped get rid of that floating feeling that I used to rise above. And, you know, again, I would watch myself in, in action as if I was on the outside looking in. And, I, you know, unless you've experienced it, you kind of can't even fathom what mm-hmm. it's like. So at that moment in time, it helped. You know, again, it made me calm at certain periods of my life. But for the most part, I was really just a mean man. I was a, I was a, I was a really mean man. I was a mean person who had no patience, very, very little tolerance for anybody or anything. Overreacted for just about everything in the world, uh, you know. And, and I never knew it. I never, ever knew it. I never knew what was happening. I was so uneducated about bipolar disorder, especially with, with a mom who had borderline personality disorder, or who has. I shouldn't say she did, because she still does, and she's still with me today, and I've tried to rekindle that relationship I had with her. Uh, There were several years where I I could not um, contend with her behavior, to be Mm -hmm. honest with you. It was very, very difficult. Um, And I kind of took a backseat when I said, this is my mother, and I have a mental illness, and she has a mental illness, and I... I cannot eliminate her from my life just because of the way that she acts and the way that she treats me. Because I know a lot of times she doesn't she can't control it. She doesn't know what she's doing. And I guess the big difference between her and I is she just does not want to get herself help. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, as of this January, I, I said this is it. I can't do it anymore, Becky. I can't look like this. I can't. I can't continue to hear voices in my head that tell me things that I don't want to hear. Um, that instruct me to do things that I don't want to do. I can't keep treating my wife like garbage. I've already ruined one marriage. Um, and, and that's the God's honest truth. Now, was it just me? No. I mean, she was a real wild woman herself. But, 
Um, I, I, I certainly played a big part in it, and I take full, I take full responsibility for that. But here I am you know, in, in a relationship now for close to six years, if not longer, and I was damaging that as well. I was ruining it. I was scaring my life. I was, I was impossible to talk to. I was, um, and again, I didn't know anything of what I was doing. I just, I just thought I was right with everything. Right. You couldn't tell me couldn't tell me no you couldn't tell me I, you couldn't tell you couldn't point out what i was doing wrong because no matter what she was wrong i was right and that was the way i perceived things and i would smoke marijuana to calm me down and it would calm me down for the moment and it would make me giggle it would make me laugh and it would almost make my wife feel safe for the moment because mm-hmm. she would say oh god he's calm he smoked you know <laughs> now i could breathe for a few hours you know and in a few hours he'll stuff his face and then I really don't have to worry about him. Uh, and, and, but, but that, that wore off, Becky. It wore off. And it wore off probably December of 2017, which wasn't that long ago when I really, well, really, my wife tells me August of 2017 was when things really got out of control, where um, I just I started to self-injure. And I was not a big injury type of person my entire life. There were moments in time, but yeah. far and few in between. And I'd say I'd had about a handful of real serious moments where I self-injured, mostly like, I mean, cutting my arms up and things of cutting my legs and things of that nature. And yeah. far and few in between, though. And I really had to be in a highly manic state of mind for that to happen, but... Since August of 2017, it was happening on a on a every 14 day basis on what they call a rapid cycling bipolar one mm-hmm. with uh, mixed episodes. And you know, so that when they would come on, Becky, they would you know a lot of people. Not that anybody is fortunate to have bipolar disorder, but some people go many many months, as many weeks, many months. Some people even years without experiencing that an episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, I. I, I my God, I can't imagine what that's like because just a little bit of stability is all I've been looking for my entire life. And for me, it's it would be every 14 days, two or three, and I would track it when I had this wonderful app that I use on my phone, by the way. It's called eMoods. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Do you know what it is, Becky? I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a great app, you know, just a great app. and. You know, allowed me to track, and and when I started really becoming aware of what I was acting like, and and more or less because I started seeing the, the marks on my body, on it, uh, and the bruises on my head, and I started to have to make excuses at work. And you know, I fell in snow, and I was shoveling, and I hit my head on an icicle, and you know, dumb things that just started to not make sense anymore because I was trying to cover up my physical injuries that I was sustaining from beating myself up. And every 14 days, I would go into this raging, um, manic stage where it just, I would sit up in a room and I would have what I refer to as mixed episodes where I would cry and I would be happy and I would be sad and I would find myself on the phone with the suicide hotline. And then a second later, I'd be writing poetry and I'd be, you know, singing rap songs and <laughs> And you know, call my wife up and saying, "I'm fine, everything's good. I love you. Please hug me." And then, you know, her being a little hesitant to do so, and then me yelling at her again, saying, "You hate me, and you don't want to come near me." And it just like an absolute animal. And this mm-hmm. went on August, September, October, November, December, until I finally decided that I can't live like this anymore. And um, that was it. That was when I said, "That's I got to put down the marijuana. Mm-hmm. I have to." you know, get myself back on medication, uh, you know, because the rapid cycling was not my entire life. As I got, as I've gotten older, yeah. it seems that the episodes just kind of became closer and closer together. I was still a rapid cycler. A lot of people will have, and again, I don't say a lot of people, I say, I never like to say a lot of people when it comes to bipolar, because we're all so different with what, with what we experience, feel, and but we got a lot of similarities as well, and I, I know you know people sometimes have maybe four. I know the the 
diagnostic criteria for bipolar disorder, so to speak. It's at least four a year. Yeah. I would consider myself lucky to have four a year. <laughs> um, and if that's the case, it'd be wonderful. Now, you know, me, my, my rapid cycling was about once a month. I would go through, but no way near, near every 14 days, which is what started happening in August. So that was it. I had to get myself on medication. I put the marijuana down. And um, as of January 1st, that was the last day that I smoked. I think my first podcast was in November. So like I said, I was high as a kite. I'm actually embarrassed to go back and listen to it because I could hear how slow and drawn out my words are, my sounds. And yeah. you know, just I sound like I'm, I'm high as a kite. <laughs> and, I, you know, it's part of what you just don't realize. And you just don't even realize what, you, what you're doing when you're trying to self-medicate and you're trying to make yourself feel better. Yeah, I feel like I just said a lot. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> fine. Yeah, that's fine. It was all a little manic, good stuff. A little manic. Uh, <laughs> just, just so you know, Becky, I mean, I don't know. That's the other thing. And I, I said this on Twitter yesterday, and I say it again today. I am now on day, well, Friday. I'm so bad with math. It's so sad, Becky. I got no, and I used to be real good. I got no ability now to do anything when it comes to numbers or counting. So we got Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I am on day six right now of complete stability. Oh, wow. Uh, this is me. Yeah, yeah, awesome. this is me. This is, you know, I sit here and I say that I'm manic, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm really not. This is just my, you know, talkative, kind of my, my real personality, um, I, you know, listen, if I was online shopping and buying things and, you, you know, Amazon trucks were pulling <laughs> up to my house and, you know, delivery after delivery and yeah. um, even probably, probably even, Becky, if I was thinking about calling a drug dealer or, you know, um, um, you know, a marijuana dealer or thinking about drugs, that would probably lead me to think that I was stepping back into mania because a lot of those are my... Those are the things that usually happen to me when I'm stepping back into mania, and it's a constant battle in my brain. Yeah. Um, so that I don't do those things, but here I am six days in, and no thoughts of that, just stability, sleeping relatively well. When I say that, Becky, again, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not... I am up every hour on the hour, just about. Um, and, and a lot of that's because I have frequent urination from this lamictal. Oh, I mean, yeah. it just makes me urinate all night long. And again, Becky, you're, not, to, not to make you feel strange, but you're in my ear all <laughs> night long. So when, I, so when I travel to the bathroom and I have my phone with me, which one day I keep saying I'm going to end up dropping into the toilet bowl. It's, that day is going to come. But I, I do have my headphones in. And what I will do is, you know, you know, I'll go to the bathroom and then I will press play and continue from where I left off with your episode, from what I at least remember. You know, because a lot of times I fall asleep to that angel voice of yours that you have. Now and, you're making you know, me blush. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I'm so, well, you do. You're, you're fascinating. You're absolutely fascinating. You know, I'm talking up a storm here, and i got to ask you. Okay. Are you feeling okay? Do you feel all right? right? I know you've got a lot of stress going on in your life with the tree and all that yeah. stuff. I mean, that would throw me for a loop of weeks, <laughs> to yeah, be honest yeah. with you. But well, are, you, are you doing okay? Um, it's been a little rough lately just cause I don't deal great with stress. <laughs> I mean, shocker, yeah. right. But, yeah. um, you know, I'm coping. So I think I'm doing, I think I'm doing all right. Today was a little bit, uh, yeah. shaky because we, I had I mean, the uh, insurance adjuster coming out and I was just convinced that, not, that everything was going to go wrong and he wasn't going to put any, he wasn't going to pay us anything. Yeah. We're going to have to fix everything ourselves. Yeah, that why didn't happen. Do that, Becky? Why, why, why? And I don't know if this is something that you do, but one of the things I do is I, I premeditate how a certain thing is going to go. Yeah, and and meaning that you know I'm, I'm envisioning myself and an insurance adjuster coming over to my home and doing what you had to have done today, and if that was me, my first thought would be that I would be getting hit up for some money that I probably couldn't afford, mm -hmm. um, that they, I was going to be told that there was no way that the, it was all my fault. And, you know, or maybe my, my, my coverage lapsed, something was going to go wrong. And yeah. I, I envision, I formulate these things in my brain about what is going to happen. And I don't know if I do it because 
when the good news comes, it's somewhat of a relief. I, I mean, yeah. I've tried to play around with that thought process, but I don't think it's what it is. I think it's just who we are and and how we deal with stress in our lives. I think that's and, it too, yeah. It, yeah, and I kind of, unfortunately, Becky, and I, I do this even with social situations, and, and I do know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty good socializer. I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty easy person to get along with once I'm out and about. And when I say out and about, I don't mean out partying because <laughs> that can't even remember the last time in my life that I went to a bar or went to a club. I mean, I, I've never, I haven't done that. And I, I don't remember. I, so when I say socializing, I mean, just with family and just going to whether it be, um, you know, birthday party or a kid's event or something along those lines. For example, this weekend, I have to go car shopping. Um, and afterwards, I've been asked to go to my mother and father-in-law's to um, hang up some pictures and help out with some of the, uh, some, some, uh, I guess, in-the-housework kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm already wondering what it's going to be like, what her father mm-hmm. is going to, what he's going to ask me, and what he's going to, what he's going to say to me, and how he's going to treat me, and how, basically how the entire visit is going to go. And I've been there a thousand times, and it usually goes pretty well. I go, I eat dinner, I eat lunch, whatever time of day it is. Everybody is, is cordial to one another, and I come home, and I'm, I'm back at my house. But yet, as my wife is telling me today, our plans for Saturday, I feel the stress level building and building mm-hmm. in me. And, and, and then I start questioning, well, what if this happens? And, you know, I don't think it's a good idea because I have a 10-month-old now, 10-and-a-half-month-old. So yeah. please don't even get me started. You know, 14 years old, I have a 14-year-old daughter, 12-year-old son, and a 10-and-a-half-month-old baby. Oh, my gosh. And, oh, yeah. Oh, Becky, please. <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about going, may possibly ending up in a in a loony bin, okay? I mean, that's – it's it's – Thank God for my wife, because if I didn't have her, I mean, I would not be able to handle this. Um, yeah. You know, and I do. I'm very, very I, I work with children, Becky. I do. I work with children for 27 years. But when it's your own, it's actually harder. Um, oh, I don't doubt so, it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, and here I am now. And, and again, we're going there Saturday. They're kind enough to watch my son while we go um shopping for cars and maybe even have a nice lunch because we haven't done that and God knows how many years and here I am saying well why don't they come here and it would be easier if they come here and you know making up every reason in the world and if they were coming here I would probably turn around and say why don't they want us at the house I mean it's just <laughs> don't understand why I do and, and yet I still do these things I guess I guess whether you're medicated or you're not when you have bipolar disorder there are certain things that are just going to always be that yeah. makeup of what we are and who we are and I'm trying hard to eliminate it. Um, and I'm also thinking that maybe seeking a little bit more therapy, um, again, because it's been several, several years. The last time I was in therapy, believe it or not, was 2012. So oh, well. it's quite some time. Yeah. It's a long time ago. Back, you know, and, and I got a lot out of it. I really did. I was in groups for nine months. I was in drug rehabilitation for nine months believe it or not, just for marijuana. At that point in time, oh, wow. I'd been clean from every... Yeah, yeah, they, they actually just had me in for marijuana for a situation that transpired with my ex-wife. I was actually coming off the prescription medication for bipolar disorder, and mm. uh, in particular, Cymbalta at the time. I had recently we- weaned myself off Depakote, then I weaned myself off the Lamicto, and then I decided to take myself off Cymbalta. And via doctor's orders, um, I followed the taper plan, and Mm -hmm. apparently it wasn't a very good taper plan because I absolutely lost my mind. And uh, it was probably my my third attempt at suicide, Um, and sadly, my children were in the house, and I I tried to swallow a bottle of pills, and my ex-wife fled. She fled for another... um, to another town with a family and ultimately it ended up me being in family court because of the actions that I, that I displayed that particular day. And, um, I ended up urinating in a court and in a cup and of course marijuana came up. Mm-hmm. So they mandated me for court, um, for, um, drug rehabilitation. And for nine months, I, I was in groups three days a week, uh, two days were for drugs. And one day it was a bipolar support group. 
And then I was in therapy once a week, and then I continued my therapy for a short time after that, one-on-one out of the drug rehabilitation, and that was it. I mean, it's, you know, it's been a long, long time, and I'm wondering if I go and see somebody, maybe they'll be able to teach me some better ways to handle stress and mm-hmm. not be so irritable. And when this irritability, come, irritability comes on, just figure out a way to kind of keep it in check. I don't know. You know, the other scary thing is, Becky, that I've been searching. I mean, I, I, I write emails. I make phone calls. Nobody has any available appointments. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to get in. Me, yeah. I mean, oh, my gosh. I don't know. This is, this is the one thing I say to myself. I know there is a huge thing going on now with guns. Yeah. I don't want to get too political on you. you know, yeah, I, don't. I know. Um, I, it's you know, hard, yeah. though, now, like, is. I'm, I keep telling myself this isn't a political podcast. I don't want to get political, but it seems yeah. like politics keep just kind of jumping in my pool and, me, and yeah. wanting me to talk about them. It's really difficult <laughs> to keep it, you know, apolitical. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And I, and I tried to just take a very, very, um, I guess, right in the middle stance because I don't know enough. I don't know enough about guns, Becky. I really don't. Yeah. So I can't make a judgment. And when I say I don't know enough about guns, I don't know how to shoot one. I've never seen one, only other than my father showing me one when I was younger. And I know this. I know I felt frightened by it, you know, and that's because I was a young kid and I didn't know nothing. That I was supposed to be feel safe with it. And, you know, his thing was, you know, if somebody comes in and a robber comes in, we're going to shoot him. And, you know, I, I, I know it didn't make me feel safe, but I also know that, you know, there's, there's the amendments and, you know, the Second Amendment and all that stuff, and everybody has rights. And what I do know is this, Becky, and I don't know. I'm going to stop even talking because I do believe there should be gun control. I don't even know how to go about it. I wouldn't even be able to tell you the first thing about it, and I hope that doesn't offend people. Here's what I do know is that I'm a very intelligent man. I have a, um, I have a lot of degrees behind my name. I'm not going to start rattling them off and bore your audience. There's no reason for that. But I'm a pretty smart I'm a pretty smart guy who has had um, probably one incident in my life that I just had started talking about, which I probably went off on a tangent when I started telling you how I came off the St. Walter and all that stuff. That was the one real incident where I found myself in court, which it was not even criminal court. It was family court. Mm-hmm. And um, other than that, I mean, I was I, because of that, domestic charge. It wasn't even domestic violence. It was not even a charge. It was just me smoking marijuana and acting like a nut coming off some bolter and having to gain my full rights back to my children for the way that I acted. Um, But one of the other things was because of my profession, I had to go through administrative court, which was, thank goodness, one visit I was in and out and I showed them my certificate and you know I was removed from the so-called registry, which would have indicted me as a child neglector had gone through because of the way that I acted with my oh, children. Wow. So that was the one time I was, quote-unquote, in trouble, even with bipolar disorder and all the horrible things that one might do with that horrible disorder. Um, I never found myself in a whole lot of trouble. Um, you know, I was in a lot of fights, but that never, that never translated into my adulthood and into my career. So as an adult point of view with my career, Never been in trouble. I'm a smart guy. Um, I got lots of licenses, lots of certifications. I work with children. I teach teachers. I teach psychologists. I teach professionals what to do with children with disabilities and what to do with with adults with mental health issues. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you this, Becky. If I was to have a gun in my hand, that wouldn't be a good thing, okay? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that mental health is the issue with all of this. What I do know is that they would be crazy to put a gun in my hand. I don't know how to use a gun. I just know this. You're talking to a man who hurts himself, who puts himself in a room, and when he is manic enough and has experienced psychosis and is scratching his arms and banging his head and stabbing himself, I just can't imagine me being able to walk into a store and they're not being some kind of a background check on me, at least. Mm-hmm. I can walk in anywhere and get a gun. Yep. And I don't know how that's 
allowed because I'm the last person that should have one. That's all I'm going to say about it, Becky. I don't know even know what that the follow-up should be on that. I just know that, um, you know, something's not right, and I don't know how it's going to get fixed. Yeah. I don't know if it's ever going to get fixed, Becky. I, I don't know if it's ever going to get fixed. I got six phone calls in the last two and a half weeks from my older children's school of threats that were, you know, either online, oh on gosh. Instagram, or on, you know, um, that they were uh, on lockdown. I mean, this can't go on. That would be so I mean, terrifying. We can't. We oh can't gosh. continue to live like this. Becky, I'm in schools all across where I live, and I call it Mr. Joe's Neighborhood. I'm from the west to the east. I go in, I'm in hundreds of schools and, and educational facilities. And, Becky, did I ever think in my life that I would be down on the floor practicing for, um, you know, drills where, you know, lockdowns? And I, I, never, never in my life. This is not how I grew up. So I don't understand why it's happening. I don't know what's going on. I refuse to place the blame on mental illness. It's not it's not even about that. It's just about something is not right, and I don't know what it is. I do know this. It's strange that I can't find a psychologist. So mm-hmm. if there are people out there that are struggling, that you know can potentially have a gun in their hand, but yet they can't get the help that they need because there's not enough help to go around. Exactly. I mean, I think that's a problem too, Ben. Mm-hmm. I mean... Why is there not enough support for people with mental health? I don't, I don't understand it. I really don't. Maybe it's because mm-hmm. we hide it. I know I hide it. I'm, no one will ever know my name. Yeah. I can't say my name. <laughs> you know that. Yeah. You know, I can't. I can't. just can't. I can't. As much as I would. And I shouldn't even say as much as I would love to. That's the old me speaking. Because in the past, I used to look for fame and glory and... 15 minutes of fame when I would have these grandiose ideas. I yeah. mean, my God, they were so, Becky, I spent, I, I wrote six chapters in a book and, you know, I thought I was going to be the best author in the, on God's green earth. And I, I'm going to be rich and I'm going to, I mean, and then I read back what I had written and I said, <laughs> who was I? Who, who, what, who was this person? Who was this man writing this book? Yep. I, I, I couldn't believe I, I, I saved it because I'm embarrassed about what it was. Meanwhile, I thought I was going to be a multimillionaire. <laughs> I mean, these are the things. These are the things that we do. So I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. So. Yeah. Sorry, I've been a little um, ramped up tonight, but oh, that's you've fine. given me the opportunity to speak, and I figured I would give it to you as, as hardcore as I could. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. No, it was a good. It was a quality. Recording. Good. So. Good. I'm glad. I hope, I hope we get something out of it. Um, sure. uh, Becky, I have a... Can I ask you a quickie? Yeah, sure. Quick, I don't have anywhere to go. Question? Good. Um, what What made you want to start podcasting, if you don't mind me asking? Well, I had been listening to some other podcasts, like um, I was mm-hmm. listening to Bipolar Bob and the normal mm-hmm. bipolar guy and yep. there's the mental illness happy hour that i listen to a lot yeah. and listen to that yeah yeah and yeah. i i noticed that it was all guys <laughs> yeah yeah so i thought yep. <laughs> maybe a, a woman's viewpoint might not go amiss so mm-hmm. i just decided to start yeah. it up and and it worked out i guess so far yeah it certainly did one of the things that you would mention in the, your several of your first podcasts, which I just found to be so interesting and so ad, admirable of you, is how you would speak about the fact that people were not emailing you <laughs> and reaching <laughs> out to you. And I got to ask you, I got to well, I want to say this to you. I don't get a lot of people that reach out to me via email. Here and there, I get a few, mm-hmm. not a whole lot. Uh, much more on Twitter. I'll get some direct messages, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, certainly people that will comment, people that will retweet, but I don't get a whole lot. I mean, has your inbox started to get well, become flooded? I wouldn't say flooded. That... No, I mean they've. Um, okay. There's a few listeners that have emailed me. A few that we've emailed back and forth for a while, but it's not. It's not even every day that I'm getting emails from okay. listeners or anything like that but yeah i, I think that'll come to myself, 
Yeah, I, I say I, I'm hoping that it comes because one of the things I love to do is write. And I find that I, you know, I, I think it would be helpful for me and whoever reaches out for me to write. It's just mm-hmm. the way I get things out, whether it's yeah. poetry or whether it's through my manic rants that I, which, you know, usually do make sense in the end, not, not referring to my novel, but, um, you know, my, my emails usually do make sense. And I guess... I guess from a, I don't want to use the word selfish over and over again, but I guess from a, a confidence point of view, I want to know and feel as if people are accepting me and at least listening to me and enjoying what I'm putting out there. And I have to think so because I'm checking the downloads and they keep going up each and every day. I mean, I remember when I was at, you know, 50 <laughs> and now I look and I see a little K, <laughs> a little K by the side, you know, yeah. and I say, wow, where did this? We're in the thousands now. This is amazing. I mean, and I, so obviously, I look at the stats and I see people are listening all over the world. And I just, I just want to help people. That is what I've done my entire life. As a matter of fact, this was not even my original idea. It was one of the, when I started podcasting, my wife had insisted she, I mean, she said, your calling in life has always been autism. And what I want you to do is I want you to get on that podcast and start talking about what you do for a living and what you can do to help others. She says you do it in person. You train people. So start coming up with almost like trainings on a podcast. And, you know, I tried that very first episode again. I was high and it didn't, you know, I gave a personal story about when my nose had broken the very first day on a job. And, um, I just quickly got away from that because I said, although this is a part of me, this is not exactly who I am. And if I'm going to help people on a podcast, I get the opportunity every single day in quote unquote real life to help people with autism and help others that work with autism learn how to deal with them. So I almost found it a little bit monotonous, to be honest with you, to say that, well, now I'm going to get on a, on a recording and telling people how to handle their children with autism. I just couldn't do it. And I said, why aren't I sharing my life? Which has been certainly a roller coaster ride, to say the least. Right, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's been, been, you know, I I consider myself to be a survivor. I'm a suicide survivor. Um, I won't, again, I make a joke. I say I will never announce these things on the loudspeaker in my place of appointment because um, you just can't. But it gives me a great deal of pleasure to be able to tell people that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that you know, I have been where they've been. And, um, you know, I mean, I've, I've been there several times. And sometimes I think back to it. I don't understand how I got there or what took me to that place and, you know, how I could how I could be in a garage which is where I tried to commit suicide the first time and knowing that my, my daughter at the age of four and, um, I'm sorry, my daughter was probably the age of two. She was two and my little baby was inside. My, my son junior was inside, you know, just a little infant. And he, my, my daughter's at, uh, at a little preschool or a daycare or something or she, I don't even remember where she was, but, and then I got a little baby inside and I find my, and I'm in a garage ready to hang myself, hanging from a rope. And, you know, and, until my ex-wife came in and threw the garage door open and actually had to climb up a ladder and, and, and cut me down. I mean, oh so, uh, you know, and I say to myself, that was back in 2005. And it wasn't shortly after that that my father found me in the exact same spot. Believe it or not, the time when I had described to you before when my ex-wife had fled when I came off the Cymbalta mm-hmm. and all the other medications, when she had left and took my kids away from me, I, I mean, I was gone. I was lost. And once again, I found myself in the same garage that I was in. I, I started writing a, an extensive suicide letter, which actually my father still has to this day, that he took and he held, he hid He's never revealed it to me and never showed it to me. Um, and, you know, he has that in his possession. And I was, it was almost like, I don't want to get in. I certainly, I haven't gotten into politics and I'm certainly not going to get into religion with you. <laughs> um, especially, especially somebody who actually thought that I had God 
speaking with me on a one-on-one basis and had a relationship with the man or the woman. <laughs> and while I would drive in a car and he would push up on my seat and, you know, try to touch me and uh, feel my back. And I mean, these are the hallucinations that I used to live with. And thank mm-hmm. goodness they haven't occurred as much anymore since I've been on medication. But if you do believe in a higher power, you got to think that something sent my dad over to that house that day because yeah. instead of being hanging from a rope, I was climbing up that same ladder, you know, ready to hang myself again and or attempt to. And if my father had not done it uh, through that garage door, and, you know, and I still believe it or not, as much as I don't remember, I remember him screaming, my son, my son, don't do it. Uh-huh. And, you know, throwing that garage door open and. And and he didn't even have to pull me down. I just stopped where I was. I remember it was like it was yesterday. And I, 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 I turned around and I started walking down very slowly. And then I beat my dad up. Oh, <laughs> I actually no. beat my dad up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so enraged. And, you know, I said, you know, cursing and yelling. I mean, I, first I destroyed everything in the garage, you know. And he just stood back and tried to tried to let me get it out. You know, sometimes in a crisis, it's not the worst thing. Let people just kind of get out their frustrations as long as they're not going to hurt themselves or hurt somebody else. And I went to town on the garage, and then I beat him up, you know. And and, and then I came to, and I realized that there my father was laying down. Thank goodness I didn't really hurt him too badly. But, um, you know, these are the things that I I just think back and I say, well, thank goodness I've made a little bit of progress and a lot of progress. A lot of progress. So, yeah, uh, don't sell not, yourself short. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I try not to. I try not to. I guess, I guess, Becky. Here's what you know. The last, last thing I want to say when it comes to bipolar and my moods and our moods, I just, I'm fearful that this wonderful six day journey that I've been on is going to come to a screeching halt, halting end. I, I don't know if you can understand what I'm saying, but I'm I'm on a six day kick here of stability and I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for the bomb to drop and I'm praying that it doesn't. I'm hoping I'm I'm just, you know, maybe I should be praying. I don't know what the answer is because I don't (laughs) pray anymore. Maybe I should be, you know, there was a time, it's just like everything else that we overdo in life. I mean, there was a time where I was at church every single day. I was praying to God. I was, you know, by myself, I was taking pictures like a real, I don't know. And then that completely escaped and that was gone. I'm no longer doing that. And I have very little interest in doing anything that has to do with religion. Yet when I'm, um, when I'm down and out, I'm hurting every once in a while, I find myself saying, please God help me. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that sounds selfish. I don't know what it sounds like. I just know that Mm -hmm. for me, it's just a lot of confusion. I think it's just just human nature. You know? Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. You are right, actually. I just wish that I knew. I wish I could predict whether or not this great run is going to end. I don't know if it's going to, but I, I, I certainly hope that it is. Uh, not. <laughs> certainly <laughs> hope that it is not. <laughs> I don't know. See, I mean, I, I'm so confused. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> I just wanted to stay. I want to stay. And I get it. I know that we are not. No one is perfect. Nobody is going to have you know, perfect moods. I just want to know that I'm going to keep myself safe. I want to know that I'm going to be able to deal with things, you know, just regular things in life and not get so worked up about everything. Um, And, and, you know, stay, most most certainly stay out of that depression too because, man, I don't know. With mixed episodes, Becky, what happens, you know, with mixed episodes, it's almost like they come on so quickly. I mean, and they go away so quickly. It's it's something that I cannot even imagine how to explain. I mean, there are times where I will be completely out of my mind, manic, and you know, on computers. And I got six laptops open, and I'm running from computer to computer, and I'm updating software, and I I got radios blasting, and I'm I'm doing all kinds of things that really are pointless, to be honest with you. And then in a moment, I just crash, and I find myself sad and I find myself sleeping and, mm-hmm. and completely, you know, sleeping. But I guess the good thing with the mixed episodes and the rapid cycling is for the most part, I don't find myself in these elongated states. Now there are some people that go through, you know, months and months of depression. 
Right. And yeah. for me, yeah, for me, is that, is that you? Yeah. Does that, that happen to you? It, I go back and forth between, yeah. um, like, most of the time, if I'm, like, in a depressive state, then I might yeah. have mixed episodes periodically yeah. throughout that, but I won't, you know, yeah. get hypomanic or anything. Yeah. But, gotcha. yeah. And, you know, that, again, I mean, it was, you know, I mean, the longest bout of depression that I ever remember being in was actually uh, exactly 188 days. And, wow. You know, How that do you was know actually, that exactly? That was, oh, yeah, I do. I know it exactly because it was the longest period of my life. Now, you know, it was also compounded because I was coming off another drug, which was called Suboxone at mm. the time. But, um, oh, you know, right. Suboxone. Are you, you just went off of that? recently didn't you are you planning yeah well i'm on my second i'm actually on my second go around with it and i'm just about off um i'm almost there which shows me you know i kind of did it a little bit slower this time around i mean i'm on a very minuscule amount Mm -hmm. um and i want to blame that last period of my life of depression on the suboxone but i can see now that when you're medicated the right way and you're abusing drugs that you know, for me to blame it all on Suboxone and not relate it to my bipolar disorder is just kind of ignorant on my part. It was a, it was a deep, dark depression that I was in that was probably enhanced a little bit by coming off Suboxone the first time around. But oh, yeah. it was a depressive state. You know, it was a depressive state. And drug, and I couldn't break myself out of it until I went on Wellbutrin. And believe it or not, Wellbutrin was, saved my life. Lamictal Wellbutrin saved my life. And you know, here I am now again, and I got a whole stash of Wellbutrin from my doctor just in case because I'm going off slowly. Uh, I have to, you know, I, I believe we have to be very careful when it comes to antidepressants, especially. Mm. At least I do. I know I do with bipolar disorder. I mean, the littlest amount puts me into a manic state, um, so I have to be very careful in how I measure my chemicals. And you know, one of the things with Suboxone when you come off it, it is. It's a direct trigger or of dopamine. So when you're coming off the suboxone, which I'm doing now, and I'm cutting down, you know, that dopamine level lowers, so the Wellbutrin brings my dopamine level up, and mm-hmm. it, it helps. But so far, I haven't had to hear it. I've just been on my mood stabilizer. I'm teeter-tottering on an antipsychotic because I'm still having, you know, I haven't had any voices, I have to tell you, which leads me to believe that the voices just come when I'm in that, manic state of mind so if i'm not in mania things in my head are pretty settled down mm-hmm. um you know so that's a good thing because i've, I've teeter-tottered back and forth with doctors in terms of my actual diagnosis whether it's bipolar one or schizoaffective disorder and really the primary difference between the two is when you are in psychosis and you start hearing things and seeing things you can usually relate that to bipolar Right. Because you're in one of the moods, you know, and and with the difference is with schizoaffective disorder, you don't have to be in a mood swing in order to experience that psychosis. And um, sadly, you know, I, I sadly for years I never knew whether I was in one or not in one. It's it's that's how much I lived in mania. Yeah. I mean, I just I spent a huge part of my life living in mania. You know, sitting in stores and getting a thrill over the fact that I had, even though I wasn't stealing things, I was so high that I would get a thrill on thinking of stealing things and putting things in my pocket and wondering whether or not I could walk out and actually get away with it. And, you know, never going through with it, but getting a high. And I look back at me and I say, what in the world can make a person feel or do those things? What can make a person be so excitable to want to find sexual partners and have multiple relationships and, you know, and, and go into work and have no boundaries with where you're at and what you say and, uh, you know, inappropriate things that I just look back on and I say, my God, I mean, when you're not medicated properly or when you're not managing your bipolar disorder or if you are medicated and you're abusing drugs at the same time right. uh, to the level that I was, you're just never going to do the right thing. You're never going to get better. You're never going to worry about consequences. You're just going to act impulsively, like I did for so many years of my life, up until August of 2018, of 2017. I was going to um, say, wait a minute. 
I didn't lose a year, did I? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you know, here we are in a time machine, Becky. Come on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, do you have any more questions for me, Becky? I think I've given you a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've been talking for a while. Did I make your head spin? I hope not. Did I, I hope I didn't. Uh, I hope I gave you enough here. I hope. Hope you enjoyed it. That's right. Oh, cool. definitely. Yeah, and I'm, there's definitely plenty. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know we've been talking for like Listen. an hour. It doesn't even seem like that long to me, but it might to you no, because you're doesn't. probably thirsty from talking is. so much. <laughs> I think this has been pretty awesome, though. I mean, I haven't shut my mouth for a second, but um, anyway, I want to just tell you, please, you know, anytime you want to reach out to me, um, please do. I mean, oh, we have uh, we have a little family, as you know. Um, on Twitter, yeah. and I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm part of it, Becky. I do, and whether I inserted myself on my own, <laughs> which I might have, um, don't care. I, I got to be honest with you because I need you guys. I really do. Yeah, Twitter's pretty um, awesome. It, for yeah, at I least the little corner awesome. of Twitter that I found, anyway, I think it's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, I think it's great. And again, maybe I've inserted myself, and I hope that I haven't done it in an inappropriate manner. Um, I think you guys have accepted me as part of the bipolar family, so to speak. Um, and I'm grateful for it because um, I need it. I need you guys. Uh, you guys help me. You, you know, and, and um, bipolar style and, you know, bipolar bomb and all, just our little clan. And all the, the hundreds and hundreds of Twitter people that are, you know, eating about mental health and, um, you know, mental health matters and all these things that we're, we're all connected to and a part of. Um, I'm just so grateful for it. I feel like I got a family because it's not always easy for us to find people to talk to. So right, yeah. I just, you know, I'm grateful for you and I appreciate it. I really do. You too. And likewise, if you ever need to reach out to me, then feel free for sure. Or if you want to come back on the show, will, that's fine too. That would be great. I would think I would love to. Okay. You, after you chop this up and see how it feels, you know, how it sounds. You know, you let me know if we'll do this again, okay? Okay, sounds good. All right. All right, Becky. All we'll right. see. I'll see you on Twitter. How does that sound? Sounds good. <laughs> All right. All right. Have, Have a, a good, good night. night. <laughs> and good luck with everything. Good luck with everything, okay? Thank Keep you. Keep me posted. I will. All right. We'll talk soon. All right. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And thanks to Bi Mr. Bipolar Joe for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I noticed at the end of our conversation, we did not think to uh, give out his Twitter username or email. So I'll go ahead and do that now. Um, you can reach Mr. Bipolar Joe at Mr. Joe BP at yahoo.com or at Mr. Bipolar Joe on Twitter. So go ahead and uh, reach out and say hi. And I did one, one final note. Um, I got some feedback from a listener this week. And this is from a listener from Twitter. Um, she didn't give me permission to use her name, so I will just say Sally. Sally writes, I'm not sure if you've gotten any feedback about the author of the book in the last podcast. That would be Eric Murthel, The Boogeyman in the Orange Bottle is his book. Does he have bipolar? He seems very anti-medication. Although he mentions benzos, the overall mood of his rhetoric is contemptible or contemptful, excuse me, of all prescription meds. Although I know this is his perspective, I just feel it is wrong to hear pill shaming from somebody without bipolar disorder. I thought there's some listeners who wouldn't care for his tone. It would be great to maybe sometime hear some friendly debate in the podcast. Yeah, thanks very much for that feedback. I really appreciate it. And I know that his stance is controversial, um, and it's not really something that I myself ascribe to, except for in the case of addiction. And then, of course, that needs to be addressed. However, there are many people who do feel as he does. And I feel like, even though I might not agree with him, there is a place in the discussion for that viewpoint. And so I wanted to give that, give that viewpoint out on the podcast and, and let people you know, take that in and deal with it how they, how they will. So yeah, I knew it was going to be a controversial sort of situation. And I hope that I haven't alienated anybody with that 
Um, like I said, I just try to give out as many viewpoints as possible. And if anybody else has any input that they would like to give to me on this podcast or any others, um, they can feel free to do that. They can reach me at that B word at stonefruitmedia.net or at that B word pod at gmail.com. They can also reach me on Twitter at that B word one and find me on Facebook at the, that B word pod and on Pinterest at that B word podcast. You can find all of my previous episodes on that B word dot net. And if you haven't yet, please rate and review and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I really appreciate it and it helps out a lot. All right, guys. Thanks for listening this week and I will see you next week. Okay, bye.